Welcome to Thrive in Design, a podcast about making money and beautiful interiors as it relates to product-based businesses in the interior design industry. Each week, we'll discuss innovative strategies on how to approach product development and design sales in a shifting market. I'm your host, Nicole Lachey-Ben. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive and Design podcast. We're at the end of Black History Month, which I'm super excited about and happy to bring one of my friends, Tamara, as a guest back to the podcast. If you haven't heard her previous episode in season one of this podcast, you should definitely check it out. But my further ado, let me introduce Tamara to you all for season three. Raised in Brooklyn, New York, with Trinidadian roots, Tamara Archer's design aesthetic is inspired by different cultures, world travel, architecture, and nature. Exotic flair with an urban edge is her approach to creating beautiful, timeless interiors. Tamara enjoys helping her clients improve the energy in their homes and businesses to find balance with designs that inspire, relax, rejuvenate, and recharge. So welcome back to the show, Tamara. I'm excited to have another conversation with you about interior design and all things that have been going on in this industry, as well as our ties into being Black in this industry. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back on the podcast again. Yes. So, Tamara, I know you've shared a lot with us before in this audience, before in this podcast, but I would love to hear first, before we dive into everything, what has been inspiring you these days? Well, um, biophilic design has become like my new obsession. Like I've always been inspired by the natural environment and exploring different ways to incorporate it into my designs. So that's kind of like inspiring my process these days. In what ways is it? Because I know with biophilic design, it could be from including woods, wood tones or different things like that in the design to help with like the healing process. Mm -hmm. It could be so many things. So is there a specific thing that has been coming up for you? Well, you're just taking like an approach to design that connects building occupants more closely to nature, like with elements like natural light, greenery, botanical patterns and repetitions in that way. Okay. I love it. I love it. I actually had someone asked me about biophilic design the other day. So if those of you who are listening and you're more interested in figuring out what that is and how you can connect it to interior spaces, I encourage you to Google it. So Tamara, you also mentioned to me that a lot of people have been asking you how you got started in the hospitality design industry, because I believe you got your start in residential, right? Yes. Yes. Correct. And then kind of merged into the hospitality industry Share more about how that happened for you and what that process was like. Sure. Well, it happened very unexpectedly. I love traveling. And when I travel, I'm always very particular about my accommodations. You know, because the built environment should enhance your travel experience, you know, making it more memorable. So one day I was thinking about the type of spaces that I like to design, which was resorts and hotels in the Caribbean. Out of curiosity, I started searching design opportunities in the Caribbean, and I happened to see that the resort that my husband and I spent our honeymoon at in Jamaica was looking for an interior designer. Wow. So I sent my resume, and I didn't think anything of it at the time. You know, a couple of weeks later, the HR director called me. I sent her my portfolio, and she set me up on a phone interview with the owner of the resort. The owner wanted to meet with me in person, so they flew me to Jamaica. 
I stayed at all four of their resorts while I was there. It was such an overwhelming and surreal experience. You know, the owner and I really hit it off. And at the end of the week before I left, she offered me the position. I moved to Jamaica and that's how I got my start. Someone gave me a chance. Wait a minute. <laughs> First of all, let's like recap. One, they flew you to Jamaica. You were there all week enjoying all four of their luxury resorts. Yes. Like this sounds like an amazing experience. <laughs> it was it was really amazing. Like I said, it was just an opportunity that I could not pass up. You know, I didn't even really think I didn't really think too much of it at the time when I applied. I just applied and then I honestly forgot about it. And, you know, when they called me back and, you know, wanting to fly me out there, I didn't know, like, how my family would react. I didn't know how my husband would react. I'm like, she's going to be like, she is crazy or insane. And he was just very, very supportive because he knew it's something that I've always wanted to do. And, you know, he was very, you know, supportive and encouraging. And he was like, you know, I think you should do it. Wow. Wow. So since then, what has been your journey in hospitality design? Have you gone to work for other places? Have you learned anything new? Like, tell us more. Yes, well, besides, you know, working for that um, particular resort, you know, I've worked for Royal Caribbean. Those are the only two companies that I've worked for professionally in interior design. Outside of that, it's just been me working on my own projects with TRK Design. Awesome. And I also have loved that you're able to work on different types of hospitality projects, right? Because a lot yes. of times people will think about hospitality. It's just like, oh, this is a hotel. But hospitality also incorporates like restaurants, restaurants, bars, lounges. Yes, yes. And also cruise ship design because it is, you know, hospitality related. It's a cruise ship. It's literally like a floating resort, so to speak, or even a city. So, yes. So hospitality design is very broad, much broader than just hotels and resorts. Right. I love that. So within the design industry specifically, not just hospitality, There's been a lot of things coming up over the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic or when the pandemic first hit. And those two things that I'm sure you have seen are DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion for those of you Mm -hmm. listening, and hybrid work. So let's dive into really how those things have shown up in the interior design industry. And this is super important for me to bring up especially as we are ending out Black History Month right now. So as I mentioned before, for those of you who are listening, DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And of course, we're no strategists on these things, but we're just sharing our personal experiences as it relates to the interior design industry. So when you hear DEI as it relates to interior design industry, Tamara, what comes to mind for you? That there isn't enough. You know, being in this space and seeing very few people who look like me at trade shows and professional events is, you know, it's disheartening. And especially because the people of color who I've connected with in this industry are so talented and they're doing extraordinary things at the top of their game and they're trying very hard to open doors for more of us. Agreed. For me, like, I remember when I first decided to study interior design, it wasn't even like, it didn't even really phase my mind (laughs) that. I wouldn't run into a lot of people that looked like me. And going to school, I was probably one of three people of color in my interior design class. And now working in this space, it's very rare that I run into another person that looks like me. 
Yeah. Um, so agreed with you, there isn't enough. And then when there's not enough, that comes into equity, right? It's like, how can mm-hmm. we even have an opportunity to get a chance to have right. our voices heard, to speak up, to have experiences that are more inclusive? So it's like everything really ties in together. So for you in being a Black woman in this space, what has been an experience where you felt excluded and why? I mean, I've often felt excluded. You know, I've been applying to interior design jobs since I graduated from design school. And it was just one rejection after another. You know, firms want you to have a certain amount of years of experience and a postgraduate portfolio. But how am I supposed to achieve that if I'm not given the opportunity to gain the required experience? You know, I never questioned my talent because I graduated with honors from design school. I started to realize that there can be a lot of nepotism in this industry that prevents many young designers, particularly those of color, from demonstrating their talent. Honestly, that was one of the reasons I was motivated to buy a house. When I started my company, which wasn't even TR to design yet, you know, I had clients, but my projects were small, mostly furniture updates, nothing major. So when I purchased my home, that gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted design-wise within budget, of course. You know, I hired a photographer. And now I had a professional portfolio that really changed the game for me. I started TR to design and that helped me get bigger projects. And I was able to gain the experience that I needed on my own. Yes. And I know, I think we talked about this at one point, like offline before, but in applying for jobs, I know I've had the experience where people asked me to send in a picture. Oh yeah. That's happened to me before. LinkedIn. And as soon as I sent the picture, Sorry, we decided to go into another direction. Yeah, so yeah. there are like extremes of it. It's like blatant. Yes. And then it's like our only option is to make space for ourselves, which I love yep. that you did before. Yep. So on the opposite side, are there any instances where you felt included outside of creating your own space to thrive? Well, the first time was when I got the interior design job in Jamaica, mm. you know, which was 10 years after I graduated from design school. You know, after my experience working in Jamaica, the following year, a recruiter from Royal Caribbean contacted me and I landed a position in their new building innovation department, working with, you know, an extremely talented team of designers and architects. You know, I really felt like an integral part of the team and a valued member. You know, it's been an extraordinary experience. I've learned so much and grown so much as a designer there. I'm extremely grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's very interesting, too, that, like, it took, like, people of color to recognize that, right? Because they're in Jamaica. Well, not really, because the owners are not people of color. Ah. (laughs) So maybe they, I don't know, but theory, they could have been enlightened to even having, like, a property in a space where they became the minority. Who yeah, knows? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? So as we are moving forward in this industry, what do you think should be the next steps for the interior design industry, leaders in this interior design industry? What should they do to move this DEI initiative forward? Well, of course, the industry needs to do a better job of attracting and hiring more diverse candidates. But I also think that we have a responsibility as a community to encourage students who look like us 
the end of this space and other creative spaces. Like for example, I think that HBCUs could have more art and design programs and majors. Now options for robust art and design programs are with PWIs. You and I both went to SCAD, which is one of the best design schools in the world. And as you'll remember, there weren't many students who looked like us there. You know, I was fortunate to grow up in a family that celebrated creativity and entrepreneurship. So I've always had a good support system. So that's why I never gave up. You know, unfortunately, that's not always the case in our community. You know, oftentimes we're encouraged to have a backup plan whenever there's a creative career interest. And that can have an adverse effect where you feel discouraged because the message is that creative careers are not viable and lucrative for us. You said a lot there because we're talking... <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, the backup plan idea when those creative careers are brought to your mind. Like, I know for me, I remember deciding that I wanted to move forward with interior design when I was like 13. And I Mm -hmm. said to a family member like, oh, because previously, you know, I was just generic, like, oh, I think I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. And Mm then some light bulb went in my head at 13 years old. And I was like, I want to study interior design. And I told a family member this. And she was like, why would you want to do something like that? Like, you need to focus on something that's more stable or I forgot the exact wording she used. But for me, I'm the type of person, I've always been the type of person I want to prove somebody wrong. I'm like, you think I can't do it? You know, (laughs) let me do it to prove you wrong. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that mindset. They're like, if my family member doesn't think that I can do it, if my family member doesn't think that this is a viable career then maybe they are right. They have more life experience. So let me just choose something else. Yeah, and it creates even less diversity because we're not looking at these creative spaces of option. Right. So I think a part of all of this is one, like educating our community, like, hey, there are viable options. And then two, once we are in a major, a creative major or in a creative field, trying to get this industry to recruit diversity like you said before so another thing that has been coming up of course is hybrid work and I think that could really tie into diversity equity and inclusion in its own right but for you how has remote or hybrid work impacted the design process for you from the beginning of the pandemic until now I was already accustomed to working remotely even before the pandemic. So when I started working in the cruise industry is when I started working on site again after a few years. Now, however, that in-person collaboration was extremely valuable because this was a design sector that was very new to me. And there was a sharp learning curve. At the start of the pandemic, when we began working remotely, it wasn't the easiest transition. But as a team, you know, we already worked so well together that it didn't take us long to adapt. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And then now that we're in this new normal, right, that's what it, people are calling it. Things have shifted, especially from like a design process. I actually just watched a webinar a few months ago that I referenced in a couple episodes ago about this like new experience where we're shifting from physical and then digital experiences kind of sprinkled on to really like digital being the first and then physical being secondary, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that that is really our new normal. So really hybrid work will really never leave us. So how do you think this new normal of hybrid work and digital experiences will impact new and diverse designers and how they gain experience in this industry? 
mean, remote work opens up more opportunities to work for companies and design firms across the country or even the world without having to relocate. So now design firms can broaden their candidate pool. There's no excuse for companies to not have a more diverse workforce if they offer remote work options. You know, so you can get even more designers who maybe don't live like in New York or Miami or L.A. where a lot of the large companies are. You, know, you can attract candidates from from anywhere. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't thought about it like that because I've been seeing it as like, well, maybe there won't be an opportunity to create like real connections between team members, which could be a downside. But I think you brought a positive note to it. Like this opens up the pool for everybody. And yep. I love that. As you are also designing projects, whether that be hospitality or beyond, what are some adaptations to the built environment that you include in your designs as you're considering DEI and this new normal of hybrid work? You know, as a woman of color with Caribbean roots, you know, my culture and experiences are already woven into my design aesthetic, which is demonstrated in my work. So the difference now is that I'm not afraid to go against the grain or design trends that I don't feel are aligned with who I am as a designer. You know, also the new normal has changed clients' perception of working with the design in a different state. So that created a lot of opportunities for me during the pandemic. Now I live in Florida, but I've worked with clients in New York, D.C., Maryland, and Atlanta, for example. And then are you seeing any other overlaps between DEI and this new normal outside of you know, broadening your scope of work and your scope of clients. Are there any things that pop up for you and how those things correlate? You know, um, like I mentioned before, I think it's an opportunity for firms and companies to expand their talent pool and actually start cultivating and fostering diverse work environments. Like there's no more excuses. There's no more excuses why you can't do that now with so many companies, you know, embracing hybrid and remote work. Amen. So we talked about so many things today, Samira, which was like a rich conversation. I can't wait to share all the sound bites and quotes from this. But do you have any final thoughts on anything that we talked about today? You know, I want to say, you know, to other designers who are facing similar challenges that I have, you know, don't give up. You know, keep believing in yourself, even when they tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not qualified enough. You know, find resources to keep learning, growing, and evolving as a designer. You know, eventually they will have to see and recognize you. Now, I've spoken to young designers who've invested so much time and money getting a design education. They just want an opportunity. You know, they haven't been given a chance and they end up having to switch careers. You know, and that's heartbreaking because I can't imagine doing anything else but this. I feel you because I've been on that breaking point of like, you know what, <laughs> I give up, but I had, to, yeah. I had to get myself together again. So I love those encouraging words. Yeah. And so for you with T. Archer Design and everything that you're doing in the hospitality industry, can we look forward to anything new for your company coming up? Well, you know, after about a year being away from the cruise industry, I'm back, you know, working as an architectural design consultant. So I'm excited about that. And I'm looking forward to working on more hospitality design projects, larger, more unique and innovative projects. Hey, awesome. And tell everybody where they can find you online. You can find me at www.tarcherdesign.com or on Instagram at d.archerdesign. All right. Thank you again, Tamara. This has been great. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking to you as always. 
Thanks for joining us this week on Thrive in Design. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Thrive in Design. And for more strategies on how your product company can innovate in the interior design industry, head to training.thriveindesign.co. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to create captivating content. See you next week. Thank you.